Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're finally back to talk about Stargate SG-1 Season 7, Episode 1, Fallen. Yay, it's good to be back. Yes, Happy New Year, everybody. Yay! Hope, hope you had a good holiday season. Hope the New Year's treating you good so far. It's only been, you know, two weeks, but still. Well, if it's not treating you well, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yes, very much. But yes, we hope all is well with you out there. Yay! But we made it to season seven. I know, that's crazy, isn't it? And if, if, in case you did not listen to our very first episode ever, this is the first episode of Stargate I ever saw. Ah. Yes. So, you know, naked Michael Shanks, it's a way to get a girl's attention. (laughs) I'm calling it his Terminator episode. It is. (laughs) there was some debate about like why couldn't oma have given him clothes like why did it have to be naked yeah because he's always pictured in clothes yeah so it's weird i don't know uh maybe it was part of michael shanks's contract when he came back (laughs) so Uh it was either like well in order to come back you have to do a nude scene or he was like please please let me come back I will appear nude <laughs> um, it was definitely not Michael's idea <laughs> definitely not. can tell you that much for sure so okay. there was wait there was I read something um, an interview with Joseph Malazzi who's one of the writers he didn't write this episode but he's like one of the staff writers who he sent an email to Rob Cooper about the idea of like an angel being cast out from heaven, stripped of his memories and left to start life on over and everything. And apparently Rob took the whole stripped thing literally and just <laughs> put that on Daniel. So no. th- thanks Rob. <laughs> stripped and stripped. Stripped and stripped. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to see, no, no, of his memories. Oh, whoops. Oh. Well, it's too late. We already filmed it. <laughs> oh, oops. Yeah. Wardrobe has nothing for him, so... Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you suppose on the wardrobe rack it was just a hanger? <laughs> well, I'm sure there was at least a cock sock on there, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. And probably, you know, a robe for walking to and from location. Okay. Which apparently they filmed this in, like, the middle of February oh, in Vancouver. So it was really fucking cold. <laughs> like, like you do. Like you do. Cause yeah. you know, that's how TV shows work. So Yay. yes. So did you have to watch any recaps to kind of remember where we were? Cause for me, all I really remembered like was, you know, Thanos was looking for the infinity stones. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Anubis looking for the eyes. But, I mean, you're not far off, I guess, really. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I remembered where we were and all of that stuff. Okay. That's how my brain works. All righty, then. So, should we get into it? Let's do it. Okay. So, as we said, this is Fallen. It originally aired on June 13th, 2003, which is about six months after season six ended. Or, sorry, three months after season six ended. Uh, it was written by Robert C. Cooper, directed by Martin Wood, and on the commentary we have Martin Wood, Jim Menard, and da 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 Michael Shanks! What? Yay! 
So in this episode, when SG-1 explore a planet they think is a site of the ancients, they are stunned to discover Daniel Jackson living among the natives. Daniel has no memory of his life or of his death and ascension, and it is up to Jack, Sam, and Tilk to convince him to return with them to the SGC and help him regain his memories. It isn't long, though. Oh, wait, no, that's not The Tokrit don't need their help. Who wrote this? That's not right. The Tokrit don't need their help against Anubis. They just need to fight Anubis. But yeah, but well, then, you know, Anubis anyway. still needs to be taken care of. So quick, get Daniel back into fighting shape. Yeah. Sorry, so, that's a bad summary. I should have read that better. <laughs> so now that um, Daniel is back until Jonas leaves, I will be referring to him as the bonus Jonas. <laughs> Even though Jonas is the one who's now relegated to guest star status, like Koronemic has been knocked down yep. to guest star. He's, well, he's, yeah, he's the extra dude. He's the bonus Jonas. Okay. All right. Yeah. You can send your complaints to Rachel at. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <clears throat> anyway. What is our social media? SG underscore rewatch. Please address them. Dear Rachel. Screw now. I love you so much. <laughs> You're my favorite comic relief. Please narrate my everyday life. If you listen to us enough, your your inner voice might become Rachel. So <laughs> that does happen to me every now and then, where my inner voice takes on like a different tone or accent, depending on if I've just like binge watched something where somebody has a distinctly different voice from mine. Oh, so. do you find yourself acting differently that, to accommodate the inner monologue? No, it's just every now and then it's David Tennant in my head and not just me. Oh, that's pretty badass. It happens. I would agree with that one. Okay, proceed. Okay. okay, so we start on an alien planet. There's a group of natives walking out in, like, a field, and there's, like, ruins everywhere. They're apparently, like, coming back from, like, the waterhole or hunting something. Uh, one of the elders there is telling some kind of story that seems to be, like, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Start a P. Uh, um, fable? Fa- yeah, kind of a fable type thing. And then there's suddenly this bright flash of light and we see from high up above, there's a naked dude there suddenly in the middle of the field. Uh, we shift to a close up of like blue eyes blinking open. And as the natives approach, one asks who this man is. And as the camera pulls back, we, the audience, see that it is none other than Daniel Jackson naked on an alien planet. But he does not know who he is. And looks kind of scared, appropriately mm. so. Yes. And Why am I here? Why am I naked? Who are yes. you? Where am I? What's going on? Where's mm-hmm. my clothes? What are clothes? <laughs> what are clothes? <laughs> I am always amazed when they have, I mean, I'm no expert on amnesia, but I am always amazed when they have TV shows or some sort of script that has to deal with amnesia, like the things that they have a person remember or know instinctively what to do or say and the things that they forget. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There were there was some commentary um, in like the Gate World forum about people that have had experience with amnesia. It seems to be the things that are routine, like you've been doing for years and years and years and years, and are more like muscle memory, are still there because they're the things you don't think about. You just do, like taking a shower or brushing your teeth. Like you you don't think about taking a shower. You just do it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, things like that seem to be the stuff that sticks. But maybe the little bits of what's this necklace? Who's this person? Those are the slightly more squishy memories. 
I forget what TV show it was, but it was a fascinating thing that they did where somebody had amnesia and they didn't remember their name. So they had them attempt to sign their name because that was muscle memory. So that's how they figured out what their name was. Yeah. Was that like psych or white collar? I feel like it was one of those USA shows that right, did that. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. But I was like, Ooh, that's fascinating. That's Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't think about signing my name. I just, you know, of course I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to tell what my name was from my signature. Cause it's a bunch of squiggles <laughs> and a dot. <laughs> They'd be like, you must be a doctor. <laughs> oh no, I can't be a doctor. No. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. So, okay. So a couple of interesting things here. First, a fun fact. I don't remember where I heard this. It's possible it's in like a future commentary and we haven't gotten to it yet. But in the opening credits, that shot that they use of Michael Ferdy and Daniel Jackson title card thing mm-hmm. is not from an episode. It was shot specifically for the opening credits, unlike all of the other. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I don't remember why. Maybe it'll come up in a future commentary. If it does, I will revisit this fun fact for you. But yeah. I remember that because it is very strange and weird. I'm like, why? Had they not like had they not filmed anything when they were putting the credits together? That just seems weird. I don't know. They had absolutely no footage of Michael whatsoever to Apparently. work with. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they were like, who is this Michael Shanks person? Yes. We'll need we'll need new footage of him. We don't know who that is. Yes. Also, so from a credits perspective, so it, it now goes Rick, Amanda, Chris, Don, and Michael Shanks as Daniel Jackson. And that I remember reading from like movie credits, something that like and credit is like the second most important after who's first. Really? I always kind of yes. wondered about that. Yes. Ooh. So that's why that, I'm sure that was probably part of like his negotiations coming back. Other than being <laughs> naked. Than- <laughs> you get the and credit, but you have to be naked. Yes. OK, fine. Trade off. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The other thing was, so in the commentary, uh, apparently this episode was 11 minutes long on the first edit, which in a TV show is an eternity. So the one thing like Martin and Michael kept talking about was how there was just so much character stuff that had to get cut out because they had to just get to the story. Like there was another scene with Daniel and the elder of the people that live on that planet now talking about things and his place there and what he's doing there. And that just, it unfortunately had to go. And Michael made an interesting comment of how there really was enough story to have a whole two-parter just about Daniel's return, a whole two-parter about Jonas leaving. But then you have World War III in the middle of it and Stargate is an action show. So Mm -hmm. the action is what stays and unfortunately everything else goes. So if you feel like Daniel rejoining the team and getting his memories in a little rushed, that's because it is, unfortunately. Ah, So it did. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So keep that in mind as we go through this and comment as you feel necessary. Got it. But yes, they all agreed it was too rushed and didn't really work. But it's TV and you got to do what you got to do. So. Hmm. Yeah, poo. Yes. Okay, so we come back from the credits and we're at the SGC and we see Jonas studying that tablet that they brought back from Abydos that Daniel told them had something to do with the lost city of the ancients. And he's like, oh, something like niggle. He pulls out a notebook. He's like, ha ha, he's got it. 
And he like races through the SGC telling everyone he, he runs into that he's figured it out and he's very excited and he's got it. He's got, he's got, oh my God, he did something. It's fantastic. And ends up in the control room where uh, Walter Norman Harriman Davis tells him that Sam is up in Hammond's office. Uh, and it, this is all like a very cool, like one shot as Joan, you know, Corin runs mm-hmm. through the base set and fun fact, we have our uh, Martin Wood director cameo as the other guy in the elevator. Oh. And so he's eating on purpose to show Corin how annoying it is to do scenes with people who are eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so when we get up to Hammond's office, Sam is telling him all about like the damage that Anubis has been doing to the other system lords via intel they have from the Tok'ra. Jonas bursts in, tell them he's figured it out, rambles on for a bit before finally getting to the point. It's not the lost city, it's the city of the lost. Okay, great, awesome. Is there a gate address? Not exactly, but Daniel once made notes about a place called Vis Uban that was supposed to be the greatest city slash planet in the ancient domain, but the plague that wiped out the ancients apparently started there, and so that place was never finished. Again, that's interesting, but where is the city of the lost? Okay, so way back when, Jack once input a bunch of new gate addresses into the dialing computer. Yes, Sam confirms this, and that they've slowly been making their way through the list, sending probes to see if any are worth further exploration. So Jonas posits, what if those addresses were input in a specific order and weren't just random? And if this Visuban was never finished, where on the list would it be? It would be the last city. So Hammond orders them to send a probe. Which makes logical sense, but then if you kind of think about it, like when you're, like if you're naming United States cities, you wouldn't know to be naming the oldest to the newest city. Correct. But we don't know what the purpose of this list of planets that Jack got downloaded into his brain was. You know, it might have been put together by a specific person in a specific order for a specific reason. And we just don't know that reason, just that there is a specific order. Yeah. I was also not very fond of how impatient Sam was in this scene. Yeah. She was just like, I don't want to talk to you unless you have something good for me. Get at, I know. Yeah. Her and Hammond were both like, that's cool. Get address. It's like, okay, can we like, and yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Sam, what do you think of Sam's season seven hair? I like it. It's very, it was very on trend. Yes. Um, As she actually tends to be. Um, So it's, it's okay. It's not my favorite, but it's okay. Yeah. I think it gets better as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. I actually like my favorite haircut actually on her so far is when she has the super short hair that she had, but like must up. Yes. Like I do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think I got the idea? Uh-huh. What? Well, your hair is yeah. actually longer than that, though. I know. Right now it is. But mm-hmm. I've had it. I've had it Sam Carter short before. Yeah. Yes. Must up and pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So SG-1 and at least one other team, possibly two, are on that planet that we saw at the beginning. And Jack is apparently not happy that they aren't wearing hazmat suits, considering the plague started here and sam's just like we could catch anything every time we step through the gate but hazmat suits are stupid so we don't wear them which i thought was (laughs) hilarious oh yes that that was such a call out to everything that we find wrong about this show (laughs) yes it really felt like a sort of yes fans we know but 
Hazmat suits are stupid. But TV. But TV. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they eventually make their way to sort of, I guess, like sort of like the main set of ruins that's on this planet where the group of people we saw at the beginning have set up their own camp. One man, whose name, according to the script, is never said on screen, which I hate when this happens because it's like, how do I f- refer to him? He's just man, according man to Man wearing blue? Damn it. But they're all wearing blue. Um, okay, so this first man we meet, his name is Cordib. Uh, he comes over to say hello. Jonas says, the, we're from Earth. We're just here to say hi, make friends, maybe have a look around. The man points out that Tilk is Jaffa, to which Jack retorts, no, but he plays one on TV. Ha. <laughs> um, also, he's not with the gold. He's with a friend. And so during this conversation, Cordib, you know, points out, like, we're nomads. This isn't our home. So if you want to, like, lay claim. And they're like, no, no, we're not. No, we're not, like, laying claim to this place. We just want to, you know, see what's here. Take a look around. He almost kind of looked scared, though, when he said that of, like, are you coming here to boot us? We don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you see people that look. I mean, even if you don't know what a gun is, those people look military-ish. Intimidating. Yeah. Intimidating with the uniforms and the stuff. So I'd be like, are you are, are you a good witch or a bad witch? You yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So back near the gate, uh, SG-3 is setting up camp there and getting a perimeter set. And there are some woods nearby. And they turn when they hear, like, you know, twigs snapping and stuff. And uh, it's yeah. Daniel. Walking out of the woods near the gate, and they're like, you know, they of course, you know, draw their guns at first, and then they're like, drop them, and they're like, Daniel, what? Hmm? Interesting. Back at the ruins, Cordib introduces the team to their leader, Shamda, who may look familiar because he previously played the ruler of that planet in the episode Need, where Daniel got addicted to the sarcophagus. Ah, yes. Uh, he and Jack get into a bit of a proverb off. That's what I was looking for earlier. Proverb. Proverb. proverb okay. Proverb off, which Jack wins, quote unquote, as Shamda is not familiar with the birds of a feather thing. Uh, and then just uh, Colonel Reynolds comes down the stairs, approaches and is like, Jack, there's something you need to see. It's Daniel. Uh, Gordib says they call him Arom, which means naked one, because that's how they found him two moons ago. They said two moons, Rachel, not two months. Uh, better. It's better. better. I better. also found it weird that they have, they're speaking English, but they're naming things in a different language. Yeah. Like, why are you not speaking said other language? TV. Because TV. All the but answers there- to my comments are going to be because TV. TV. Yes, but apparently a Rome is Hebrew. Okay. So, yeah, that's where that at least comes from in no, Earth already. languages. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, SG-1 walk up and they're like, Daniel, and he's like, who the hell are you people? I don't know you. Like, no, not even Jack, and just walks away. Mm-hmm. So Jack goes to visit Daniel in his tent and tries to explain, like, who he is, like, who Daniel is, that they're friends, and, like, what had happened to him recently, and he's like, I'm dead, obviously not uh and jack's not really making much progress but then he points out that of all of the planets and all of the galaxy daniel was plunked down in this one of all the gin joints in all the world mm-hmm. um where sg1 just happened to come that has to mean something and he's just like what jack was like that usually your area of expertise i don't know that's usually where you come in i found i found it weird that 
um, maybe that's just because of how long we've been watching this show all together. But um, I thought it was interesting that they were immediately like, oh, my God, Daniel, it's you. Instead of being like, are you the real Daniel? Are you yes. are you a replicator? Are you an alien? Are you something that looks like Daniel? Because you don't know who you are. We don't know who you are. And apparently Daniel is dead and or ascended. I, I was I found it. I mean, I know. This is still like because TV, but yeah, yeah. But I was surprised that they weren't more cautious of this person that suddenly showed up looking like Daniel, not knowing who he was. Yes. And why they didn't think he was just ascended Daniel appearing to them because they don't know that he got ripped out of the thing when he was trying to kill Anubis. They just know Mm -hmm. he went to go see, do something and then never came back. So, yeah, I'm on like that is like, it's also weird that they're just not like, oh, hey, Daniel, nice to see you. Like, they're like, oh, my God, like you just saw him like two months ago, like three Mm -hmm. months ago, maybe like. Right. Yeah. It shouldn't be that big of a shock that you're seeing him because you have seen him. Yeah. True. Yeah. So I don't know, unless they can somehow sense that he's an actual real physical person again and not just floaty ascended being stuff. True. Yeah. Yeah. All things that yes. they never thought would be scrutinized. Yep, because podcasts aren't a thing. And <laughs> so Jack leaves the tent, talks to Sam, who tells him that Jonas and Tilk are helping to get the perimeter set up. And there's a brief discussion about, you know, how it is possible for ascended beings to retake human form. That has happened in the past. And perhaps him not being able to remember anything wasn't entirely voluntary. It could be some kind of punishment for helping SG-1 on Abydos because he really wasn't supposed to be doing that. But anyway, it's going to take quite a bit of time to search all of the ruins. So until then, they can just try to keep helping Daniel remember. So Sam's up. Sam goes with the approach of not trying to get him to remember who he is, but to try and understand why he doesn't want to remember And basically at this point, he's just worried that he might not like who he was. So Sam tells him about like how amazing and caring and wonderful he is. And all he wanted to do was help people. And when he couldn't, it was just like the worst thing in the world to him. And he's like, that might be kind of hard to live up to. And being that I don't remember at all how this all plays out. So this was basically I was watching it for the first time. I, for a second there thought that he did in fact remember and he was faking it oh interesting that he was just not like when they originally found him naked but like since then he had remembered and he was perhaps so ashamed that Mm. he was like kicked out and you know broke the rules and all that stuff right because it was it was very odd that he said like maybe i don't like who I was, maybe I did something wrong. Like that was a very odd thing to say. So that made me think like, oh, is he faking? Not like, because he's just so sad and ashamed at like being kicked out of Ascension. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought that, but that's, I mean, that's not entirely out of, you know, left field, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so then Sam's like, okay, so come back with us and we can show you who you are instead of just telling you. And he's like, all right, I'll think about it. And then as Sam goes to leave, he asks her if there was ever like anything between them. I'm like, oh, 
awkward. And she's like, no, not like that. Yeah. We're just really good friends. And see, when I thought he might have been faking it, I thought he was like poking fun there just because he could. <laughs> uh, okay. So according to Michael in the commentary, so th- like that comment, that little exchange there at the end was always just like, why, why would he like, say weird. that? Yeah. And apparently the way Michael got around to it was Daniel just like what Sam was saying and how she was talking about him seemed very intimate and personal and, um, you know, a lot more so than just what friends would say about each other, mm-hmm. especially sort of in the in the context he has of the last two months of getting to know these people and being friends with them, which the previous conversation that was deleted would have helped this. Right. With that. Okay. So that's where Michael's coming from with it anyway. It was awkward. A little bit, yes. Mm-hmm. So Sam rejoins everybody outside. They've got a UAV sent up, and yeah, it's going to take a few weeks to study this whole place until it's like, what about Daniel? Daniel's going to go home! Yay! Yay! So Daniel's back at the SGC, uh, and Michael really wanted to keep his man purse <laughs> that <laughs> Daniel has here. Um, Hammond is there to greet them and Daniel's like yeah sorry no idea who you are and Jack's like neither do I (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Jack like you know shows Daniel out and on the way he's like by the way you owe me 50 bucks (laughs) 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 his jokes were not good in this one they were very dad jokey yes yeah no it's not working Yeah. Uh, So down in the infirmary, apparently the, you know, medical exam's all done and Daniel's good to go, except for his glasses, which they kept. And he puts them on and is like, whoa, oh, my God, I can actually see now, which, you Mm -hmm. know, amazing. And he, like, looks over at Jack and goes, has your hair always been like that? See, another reason where I thought maybe he's poking fun. Maybe. A little bit, yes. But, you know, didn't work out that way. (laughs) No. So Jack shows Daniel to one of the guest rooms where they've put up some of his artifacts and personal belongings. And he picks up the photo of Sharae and says he knows her. And Jack's like, oh, great. Tell me about her. He's like, well, I I mean, why would there be a picture of her if I don't know her? Mm-hmm. Obviously. And so Daniel asks what her name is. Or Daniel asks Jack what her name is. And Jack just goes, you tell me. And like closes the door and leaves him to sort of get acquainted with himself. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that got cut is there was like a sort of montage here of Daniel like looking around at all of the things and maybe little bits of stuff starting to come back kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, So later that night, Daniel wakes up at the gas, looks at the photo of Sharae. He then heads to Tilk's room where he's been trying to kill Noreen, but he can't really do that anymore since he started taking Tritonin. And Daniel's just like, that sounds complicated, (laughs) which if you don't know anything about him, it really does. Yes. Um, so, but anyway, Daniel's got the photo and he's like, her name is Sharae. Nobody told me that. I like, I dreamed about her. And when I woke up, I remembered what her name is. And he's very excited because that means that maybe like the rest of his memories are in there somewhere. And he can, like, he, he's starting to see like a light at the end of the tunnel for this whole amnesia, not knowing who he is thing that's going on. Which is really exciting. It is. And then he asks Tilk where she is. And Tilk just kind of stares at Daniel swallows heavily great acting by christopher judge in this like Mm -hmm. two second little bit and he was Mm -hmm. like oh she's dead Mm -hmm. yeah very sad 
Daniel then asks about Oma and why she would do the, do this, like leave the memories there for him to like remember eventually, but not have immediate access to. And Tilk suggests it's maybe because she like cheated a little and she had to erase his memories because the others made her like those are their rules. But as his friend, she wanted to leave them there for him to find eventually at some point. So Daniel then asks about Anubis and why he would break the rules to fight him. And Tug's like, don't you want to just remember? And he's like, no, I need to know why this is happening. If that's why I lost my memories, I need to know what happened and what I did and why I did it. The next morning, everyone is up in the briefing room going over what they found on Bisuban when Daniel comes in making a little joke about how he forgot what time the meeting was. <laughs> he's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, Hammond tries to be all this is classified and Daniel's just like I know but like, I feel like I need to be here and also who am I gonna tell <laughs> he's funny and Jack's just like that's funny and Daniel goes thanks Jim <laughs> uh, yeah. don't know why it's so funny that Daniel calls him Jim but it is yeah, just so. yeah. Um, anywho, uh, Jonas keeps bringing everyone up to speed and basically they've found nothing and Daniel's like that's because you're in the wrong place and they're all like, I'm sorry, what? Apparently, Visuban isn't the lost city or city of the lost, which of the lost is the wrong translation anyway, or whatever the name of this place is, Visuban isn't it. And, it's like, and Jonas is like, but your research is like, yeah, my research was wrong. And it's like, okay. And so like, he's not sure how he knows, but he looked at the tablet and just like knew what it said. And what it says is that the ancients made one of their cities lost. Like they hid it and removed it from history, and it's still lost. So, okay, but Jet gave Anubis the eye on the promise that finding this lost city would let them, quote-unquote, whoop his ass. And Daniel's like, well, if I said it, then it's probably still true. And he's like, and there's nothing else. He's like, did I not just say all I know? And so Jack just kind of glares at Daniel and tells everybody to look away so there aren't any witnesses. Michael Shake's like expression reaction to that is just priceless. It is. Oh, so good. It's like yeah. the Jack, even though he doesn't remember like that little snarky banter they have is still there. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. So a bit later, Jonas goes to visit Daniel in his quarters and uh, Jonas has an idea. So Anubis is basically half ascended. If he was ever able to get his hands on the tablet, which they won't let happen, yes, he would probably be able to understand it like Daniel's. You just, you know, look at it, read it, know what it says. That's never, yes, obviously that's never going to happen. But what if they made a fake tablet for Anubis to find? What? Sneaky? Yes. So then we have montage of Tilk in his Jafar armor heading off somewhere through the gate. Dan and Jonas are working on translating more of the tablet in the office. Sam and, Satok- and Samtokra are looking at, like, the hologram plans of Anubis's ship in her office. Quick cut over to Visuban, where Shamda is showing Daniel and Jonas a set of ghoul transport rings that are in the ruins. And then we see where Tilk went, and that was to visit Lord Yu. Me? No, you. Not you. You. Me. No, you. Me. You. No. You. Me. You. It never gets old. <laughs> okay. So, cut to, here's the plan. Um, shorthand, they're going to Star Wars it. 
I know, right? With, uh. Okay, according to the commentary, so Michael Greenberg is Richard Dean Anderson's, like, producing partner and, like, produces Stargate. He has never seen Star Wars, so when he read the script, he was like, this sounds so cool. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> and, and everyone else in like, the room was like, what? Okay. Um, okay, <laughs> slightly more longhand than Star Warsing it. Um, so Anubis's ship has a giant cooling vent that needs to be destroyed. So when he powers up his massive weapon, the control crystals will overheat and the weapon will be destroyed. Because the, you know, as we saw in Full Circle, that weapon is crazy powerful and needs to just not be in use. Right. So in order to do that, two things need to happen. One, Daniel and Jonas will sneak onto Anubis's ship being hidden from the sensors by something that the Tok'ra have, because of course they do, look through the highly encoded ship plans to relay the exact location of this vent to Jack and Sam, who will be aboard an F-302, which if you notice, it's no longer the X-302, which means it's out of its prototype status and is now a fully functional aircraft. Ooh. So cool to know. Um, Which will be waiting nearby to make a very small hyperspace jump because they're still having issues with the hyperspace window in the F-302. But they just need to make a small enough jump to get through Anubis's shield so then they can blow the vent. Now, that's not going to destroy the ship. It's just going to take out the weapon. The other part of this is why Tilk went to go visit Lord Yu because Lord Yu still has some system lords behind him. So Lord Yu is going to take his fleet to where Anubis will be. And then once the weapon is out of order, they will take out Anubis's ship. For some reason, I don't know why, maybe it's just me. I thought it was odd that Teal'c had to be in his Jaffa outfit. Like, he wasn't going undercover. No, I think it's maybe just like a a respect thing. Maybe. Because if he showed up in his like SGC uniform, I think Lord Yu would be like, who the fuck are you? No, go away. But if he sees Jaffa, it's like, oh, Jaffa. And, you know, occasionally system lords do work together to do things, even though they don't really like to. So, Meh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of works for me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, also, they're going to be evacuating all of those nomads off of Visuban. So they're not in the way just Good in idea. case goes to shit. Good idea. So this is the most insane plan that anyone in the room has ever heard of. But everyone in that room is also going to do their damnedest to make it happen. So as everyone files out of the room, Jack apologizes to Sam for being a bit of a negative Nancy about the whole thing. Because, again, it's insane. But, you know, no worries. It's fine. It is a pretty wacky plan. And also they have to trust a Gould, which Jack is never in favor of having to trust a Gould for anything. Uh, and then as as Jack leaves, Sam's like, is it wackier than strapping an active gate to an F-302? Is it wackier than blowing up a sun? Just to remind us all of the wacky shit they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, it probably is wackier than those things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they didn't come up with a backup plan or, I mean, this was a part one of however many. But I'm surprised they didn't come up with a backup plan if if Lord Yu decided to screw them over. I think the backup plan is get the fuck out of Dodge. Well, yeah. I don't really think there's a backup plan if Lord Yu doesn't show up. Mm. Mm. Damn it, you. Yes. 
So in Lordy's palace, he's getting ready to head into his sarcophagus when his first prime comes to tell him that the fleet is ready. And he's like, fool, I tell you when the fleet is ready. And he's like, of course, I'm sorry, but we should get the fleet into position so that it's ready to attack Anubis just as you promised it would be. And Lord Yu is like, how dare you continue to speak to me in such a manner? And then he like gets in the sarcophagus and is like, the fleet is ready. (laughs) So something's off with Lord (laughs) Yu. A little bit, mm-hmm. which there have been hints of in the past that like he might be getting a little too old. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So Jack and Daniel are in the locker room getting ready to leave when Daniel spots a picture of Charlie in Jack's locker and knows that he is Jack's son. I have to interject here because apparently, according to the commentary, this scene was scripted to be with them like just getting out of the shower, as in like. Still wet, wrapped in towels, freshly out of the shower. Yeah, more naked. I mean, no, I wouldn't mind it, but then everyone's like, that would probably undercut the seriousness of this situation a little bit. Yeah. So they moved to here, which, you know, I'm fine with, but yeah, we could have had naked Rick and naked Michael. (gasps) More naked. Then Um, they know what the people want. They do. They just can't really give it to us all the time. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, so Daniel continues that he knows that's why Jack went on the first mission to Abydos because he thought it would be suicide. Sorry. It's it's okay. It's on the path. It's fine. And Daniel assures Jack, you know, that he's ready for this because they wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't worth doing. Right. And Jack's like, that's interesting because you never went along with what I said before. Huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway, Daniel might not remember everything, but. He remembers enough. Okay. Hope so. Fingers crossed. Yay. Yep. We cut to Offworld where both Hammond and Walter Norman Harriman Davis have arrived at the base camp on Visuban, which is fantastic. Yay. Can can you remember the previous episodes where Hammond went Offworld? Nope. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> sort of, he definitely went Offworld in Prisoners. That's the one where he flies that ship and goes, yeehaw, as they, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, the other one is he's shown off world in forever in a day, but it's during like the dream sequence bit mm-hmm. when they're at Sharae's funeral. So I think it's implied that when they do actually have Sharae's actual funeral, he would go. So, but yeah. from what we know, this is like his third off world trip. Yeah. Which is great. Um, anyway, um, everything's ready to go. So Sam heads off to the F-302. And we have a quick cut to uh, Lord Yu's first prime telling Tilk that Anubis will be there shortly. So apparently they're up in their ship and the the fleet is, you know, where they're supposed to be. So Sam and Jack are in the 302 and Davis gives Airstrike the go for takeoff. And Jack's like, I thought we were going with Red Leader. Because Star Wars. They had to do Star Wars. Um, And he's like, wait, there's one more thing. So Hammond then comes on, wishes them Godspeed. That's what it is. So off they go. Yep. Yay. Anubis has arrived. I okay. I have to say something real quick. The okay. uh, the the guy that plays Anubis's first prime. I don't know if he just went extra on this episode or if he's always like that. And I just never really noticed until we took a break and kind of came back to it. But it's like somebody told him that he was going to be playing like a kids movie villain. <laughs> And he didn't, and he just, I don't know, he just went really extra on, like, every line of, like, my lord, 
they are here. Like, he, like he thought it was Shakespeare that day. <laughs> I don't know. He's kind. He's kind of always been that way on this show. Like he's like he's like the super serious first prime. Like he worked hard for his position. He's gonna do whatever it takes to keep it. Yeah, but I don't know. I felt he was very very extra on this one. Yeah, Maybe he, he just had more lines than usual. It could be. He did have a lot of lines, yeah. 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 So we see, like, sort of, like, the top of Anubis's ship open, like, the the weapon's not powering up yet, but it's definitely getting ready. And we see then two squads of Jaffa ring down to the ruins on the planet. Two Jaffa stay to stand guard while the rest head off. The two that are on guard get taken down with a zat. And Jonas gets the ring control wrist thing off one of the Jaffa. He and Daniel head up to Anubis's ship. Raw Reynolds and SG-3 take over guarding the ring transport. So here, okay, here's something I saw listed as like a, a plot hole goof on IMDb. And I want to get your take on it. So mm-hmm. whenever like Stargate, like SGC people take out Jaffa, they just like zap them once and like leave them there. Maybe hide them a little bit, whatever. But that just leaves them unconscious to be discovered or eventually recover at some point and, like, raise the alarm. Wouldn't it be better to zap them three times so that they disappear? Because they're not killers. (laughs) They're military. Yeah, but you don't. But it's. It's all about, like, perception on TV, right? You don't want to think of them as assassins. You want to think of them as saviors. True. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So if they just go around killing people, you'll just be like, why? Right. You you don't even care. Yeah. Okay. You want to think of them as the good guys. And the good guys don't kill people unless they have to. Very true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So up in space, the F-302 is closing in on Nubish's ship, and there are gliders approaching. They have been spotted. Jonas and Daniel are making their way through Anubis's ship. They get to the room where the controls are, and Daniel, like, gets himself down on the floor so he can be in position to take out any of the Jaffa that are in that room while Jonas opens the door. And it works. The Jaffa inside are hit with Daniel's Zet, and they go down, and so far, so good. Everybody keep your fingers crossed. Sam and Jack are still headed right for the gliders, and it seems like Jack just really wants to push the 302 to the max and see what it can do. And he opens fire on the gliders, and Sam gets over the radio to let Jonas and Daniel know to hurry up, please. Yeah, things are things are starting. And, and now there's Jaffa trying to break down the door to get to Jonas and Daniel. Awesome. Uh, over on Hugh's ship, he comes over like the you know controlled scream thing and orders his first prime to take the fleet to Chodawa. The first prime tries to argue because you know. Anubis, but no one argues with Lord Yu. Ha ha ha. So, okay, we'll do that. Uh, Tilk's on the Peltac with them and tries to speak up and like get him to ignore Yu's instructions, but he's like, I can't ignore what my lord tells me to do, and orders Tilk to be taken down to a holding cell. No! Harak, that's Anubis's first prime. His name is Harak. Uh, heads to tell Anubis that they found a human camp on the planet, but, like, there's nothing in the ruins yet. No energy signatures, nothing like that. Yeah, like, you have to admit that when he was like, my lord, we have a human camp on the planet. Like, it was just, it was too much. It is. It's a lot, but I don't know. It works because Anubis is so, like, over the top. You know what, though? There are a couple moments in this particular episode where I thought Anubis was uncharacteristic too i mean it's mostly at the end when he's Mm -hmm. interrogating jonas bonus jonas but we'll get to that 
Okay. Uh, so elsewhere, back with like uh, Jonas and Daniel, Jonas has managed to like futz with the door control crystal so that the Jaffa can't get in. Daniel finally has the plans for the ship pulled up and there's a lot of information there. It might take a while. Jonas suggests using a keyword search. Daniel's like, what, like Achilles? <laughs> Daniel's snarky sense of humor is still in there somewhere. So, okay. Jonas is like, all right, may- maybe not Achilles, but like, what about power core venting? Maybe that would work. And hey, guess what? It does. They've got it. They know where the vent is. Then they radioed Sam and Jack that the info is incoming. They did the hacker IT thing. Yup. Yeah. So uh, Sam and Jack got to go. But Sam's got the targeting info. They just need Anubis to power up the weapon. Hammond radios from the base that they haven't heard from Tilk yet. And the fleet should have been there by now. And oh, wow. Jack is so surprised that this has happened. Anubis orders another squadron of gliders to chase down Sam and Jack. Also, he agrees with Harak that the tablet most likely isn't on this planet, but instead of targeting the base to take it out, he orders Harak to recall the ground troops. Back with Jonas and Daniel, they're basically stuck with no way out. Like, the doors, like, they're going to get in eventually. Then something, like, pops up on the screen, like the schematics that Daniel's looking at. And Jonas looks and he's like, oh, shit. Jonas gets on the radio, tell Hammond that they need to get out of there ASAP because Anubis is targeting the Stargate. And if his weapon hits the Stargate, the Nakwada, too too big of an explosion. Much too big. No good. So Hammond orders an immediate evacuation. Uh Back in the F-302, Jack's like, we can attack now, right? Sam's like, no, not yet. We need Lord Yu's fleet here to finish the job. Oh, crap. More gliders. Can we go now, Carter? Yes, fine. Go. So hyperdrive activated finger cross your fingers they make the jump and it works and they pull up very very close to anubis's ship and here starts the star wars part of the episode yay um Harak informs anubis about the f-302 being inside the shield and anubis orders it to be shot down jonas and daniel need to get out of the room they're in the jaffa are almost in daniel spots a ventilation shaft in that room that the way cleanest, it is the cleanest ventilation shaft yes. ever ever yes uh, so Jonas like boosts Daniel up before Jonas can join him. The Jaffa make it into the room and hit Jonas with a Zet. No. There's another deleted scene where there's actually a shot of Daniel like looking back through the vent to see Jonas being taken to be like, oh shit, what do I do? Rather than just assuming Daniel kind of just scurries off and leaves Jonas behind without worrying about him. Mm-hmm. So, so Jack is a very good pilot and is dodging everything that's being fired at them. He gets a lock on the target. It's a direct hit. Yay. Harak gets the info that the core is overloading, tells Anubis that the weapon needs to be powered down. We then get really cool uh, special effects shot of like going down that ventilation shaft to the power core to see it exploding. Daniel still on Anubis's ship in the ventilation shaft gets like shaken around a little bit. Anubis roars, enraged as the weapon is destroyed. Though slightly underwhelmingly, like when we see outside the ship, there's just like a little like uh, like I thought there would be some kind of explosion thing, but not really. I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by what we saw, like on the exterior of the ship, like the inside of the power core going kaboom, cool. But there was no kaboom in space. I don't know. Well, I mean, they couldn't really go very kaboomy with it since they had emphasized it won't really take down the ship. Right. It's just, I don't know. It just, there's just like a little like lightning on the outside of that like central shaft part of the ship where the weapon is i'm just like Mm -hmm. that's it i don't know Mm -hmm. i was underwhelmed i will say at least they spent the budget elsewhere apparently 
Mm-hmm. But not on Michael's wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay. So Sam radios <laughs> to Daniel that, you know, they've done what they need to do. He's like, congratulations. And Jack's like, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And she's like, we'll meet you at the Stargate. And Daniel's like, well, about, about that. Yeah. Um, cut to Jonas strapped to a table as Anubis comes in and does his whole you will suffer evil overlord monologue thing. And Jonas is like, I'm not going to tell you anything. He's like, oh, yes, you will. Because Anubis has another one of those little memory ball probe things like he used on Thor. And this story is to be continued. That's a line that I thought was weird that his response was just like, oh, but you will like that's but that's how bad guys talk. But not how like he talks, I would think that's more like evil villain in a kid show. Like the other guy was talking like, oh, but you will. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. It seems okay. a very odd thing for him to say. OK. All right. It may be a little Bond villainy, like, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> okay. No, Mr. Bonus Jonas, you will tell me what I want. <laughs> oh, funny, funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, episode title, Fallen. Obviously, what has happened to Daniel? He's fallen mm-hmm. from being ascended. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some fun foreign territory titles. Uh, in French, this was called Return to the Source. Mm-hmm. In Italian, it was called The Fall. Okay. In German, it was called Go for Broke. What? Yeah. I thought it was going to be like Daniel Daniel is a human. <laughs> uh, in Daniel Hungary, has amnesia. <laughs> Daniel forgets. Uh <laughs> go for broke yeah that's really interesting too i didn't i i didn't realize that was uh also a familiar saying but okay yeah i guess uh in hungarian it was called the fallen angel my favorite though my favorite is in czech it was called return of the lost son oh yeah i'm like oh i like that one that's a good one yeah so, Fallen, what do we think? Season one premiere. Good start to the season. If, like, what, what, where, do we think we're off to a run and start? What do you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was actually really good. Although, I mean, at the beginning when you were talking about how they cut it for time, so the action sequences stayed, and unfortunately the character stuff felt rushed, and absolutely, definitely, yes. But yeah. that was still good. Yes, I still like it, too, very much. Mm-hmm. It definitely, you know, set up where the scene is going to be going. And there are bits of, like, Daniel remembering things, like, sprinkled throughout the, like, the first few episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's just back 100% now. There's still stuff that mm-hmm. needs to be remembered in there. Yeah. So, yeah. But again, naked Michael Shanks. Good start to the season. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent season opener. Excellent. Yes. Um, okay, before we sign off, we have an email. Uh, it's from Andrew in the UK. Uh, it's Hi, Andrew. Tit- it's titled The Furlings, My Personal Theory. Ah, okay. When, uh, do we remember when last The Furlings were mentioned? It was something, uh, with, it was something with Jonas. Yes. Um, crap, what was it? And I don't have my notes from season five anymore on this computer. 
I don't think. Did I get rid of them? I may have gotten rid of them and backed them up. Um, what did we say? Jonas was translating something that the Furlings wrote, wasn't it? May, there was, oh, was it um, 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 when uh, uh, Jack and Mayborn get zapped off? That was a Furling thing on that planet? I think so. I think, I think that's maybe. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. If there was something else, remind us, but I think that was it. Um, okay. So he says, hi, Rachel and Carrie. It's Andrew from the UK again. I have been busy, but I've been listening when I can. Well, we appreciate you listening whenever you can. Yeah. Um, so I do agree with the email from your other listener. Sorry, I forgot their name. When the ancients ascended, the alliance was over. I do think things that I, um, I do think that there are. I do think things are missing from the story when it comes to the alliance and the furlings. So it is possible that the ancients ascending could have been the nail in the coffin in an already weakened alliance. Whatever happened to the furlings may have been the beginning of the end of the alliance. What we know about the alliance is very limited, and what we know about the furlings is even less. This is super weird. The surviving races say next to nothing about the alliance and other members of the alliance. The Nox say nothing about the alliance. Nothing is mentioned about the alliance in Stargate Atlantis, despite the fact the Atlantis team had access to the ancient database. Nothing is mentioned after Stargate Command get access to the Asgard core. Beyond the episode The Fifth Race, none of the great races say anything about the Alliance. Surely there would be some record of their collective history. There is nothing. There must be a reason for this beyond bad writing. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I think the answer to the mystery of the missing shared history and the general mystery around the Furlings is that it is a mystery in a much broader sense. I think that the Furlings disappeared without a trace suddenly. Despite the collective knowledge and technology of the remaining members of the Alliance, they could not explain the disappearance of the Furlings. This would, of course, cause risks within the Alliance and hasten the end of the Alliance. No one wanted to blame the other, but they couldn't trust each other anymore. To stop all-out war, perhaps they chose to erase their collective history and live their lives separately but remain quote-unquote friends, like some kind of horrific breakup. This perhaps encouraged the ancients to consider leaving the Milky Way and research ascension, among many other things. This is, of course, only headcanon, but wouldn't be funny if the solution to the Furlings mystery is that it is a mystery. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Andrew in the UK. Ooh. I think that's very interesting. Huh. I could buy into that. Kind of like, I mean, like if we take it in the context of here, the lost city, like the, the ancients made a city lost. If they can do that, surely they can erase the knowledge of an entire race of beings. Yes. Yeah, that's I, I, I'm silent because I'm thinking I have quizzical okay. face on. I like yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever ever like heard or read or seen anybody talk about it like that. It's really just like, oh, the furlings. Ha ha ha. Isn't that a funny name? And we all move on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's interesting if they were forgotten on purpose. I think I like it. What if they were all kind of, I mean, I, I always feel like they never really brought it up in the show just because nobody wanted to tackle it. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure that's right. what the actual real reason is. Yes. Right. <laughs> or either, I feel like it was that more so than they were like, that it occurred to somebody of, oh, we should probably talk about this. It was probably that no one was like, no, I'm not taking that one on. Just no, I don't want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to solidify that mythology. Um, yeah. But I think it's an interesting thought because maybe maybe it was to protect each other or themselves or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. 
Interesting. I like it. I like it. Yes. Anybody else have theories about the furlings? Send them in. We want them all. Tell us what you think. Because nobody knows anything. So whatever you think could be true. Mm. It's all true and none of it's true. Yes. Everything and nothing is true at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. As always, thank you for listening. You can find us on threads and Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And on Discord, you can find the link in the show notes. Or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Please rate and review us wherever you find us. And we will see you next time for Homecoming. Bye. Bye.